Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. You're joining us for day three of the Olympic programme, coming to you live from the 1908 London Olympic Games. We'll be bringing you all the action from the men's 400 metre final, the hurdles, the horizontal pole vault, the freestyle javelin and the tug of war. The Olympic hymn, played for us live in the studio by the London Symphony Orchestra. Well, welcome back to another jam-packed day of Olympic events. And if you want to get in touch with us in the studio, why not write in via Telegram, Carrier Pigeon or Beacon Fire. If you are joining us in the stadium today, do be aware the two-penny tube is down between Bishop's Road and Trafalgar Square due to a steam locomotive explosion. Well, it's been an incredibly exciting few days here as controversy continues to surround these Olympic Games. Fighting continues between the British and the Americans. After the issue with the flag in the opening ceremony, the Americans have complained about every single event. They've accused the British of cheating, they've complained about British bias, they've complained about the rules, they've even complained about the hotel, and they've now moved the entire American team to Brighton. Now, to talk a little bit more about this, we're absolutely honoured to have our next guest with us in the studio. The daughter of the president, Theodore Roosevelt. We're joined now by Alice Roosevelt. It's an absolute honour to have you with us in the studio. Oh, well, I'm absolutely honoured to be here. So you're here representing your father in these games, and from what I hear, you're having a wonderful time. Oh, well, I love London. It rains all the time, and I've been given an entertainment budget, so I'm throwing a lot of parties. I've been given two British officials who are supposed to keep me in line, and they absolutely hate me. Yes, well, you do have a reputation as a party animal. Listen, I like to drink, I like to gamble, I like to smoke, and rumour has it that I'm the first American woman to be given a speeding ticket. The wild child of Washington, they call you. Your father famously said that he could either be in charge of the country or he could be in charge of Alice, but he couldn't do both. Yes, well, and that's why men are too emotional to be the president. Now, as well as being a beautiful socialite, you're also a a real political powerhouse. Oh, yes. When I was 17, I single-handedly ended the Japanese-Russo war by being completely charming. Daddy won a Nobel Peace Prize for it, but it was actually me. But that's Daddy all over. He wants to be the baby at every christening, the bride at every wedding, and the corpse at every funeral. And tell us who you've brought into the studio today in your pocket. Oh, I have a pet snake called Emily Spinach. Emily Spinach comes with me everywhere. 
And if I think that a dinner party needs lavening up, I put her under a silver cloche and wait for someone to find her. Extraordinary. And your father is a big fan of animals as well, isn't he? Oh, the White House is full of animals. We have a pony who likes to ride in the elevator, a parrot, a badger, a small bear called Jonathan Edwards, a lizard, a pig, a hyena, and a guinea pig called Fighting Bob Evans. <laughs> well, we're so grateful that you could take the time to talk to us today. Oh, that's no bother. We love it. Emily loves the Olympics. Her favourite is the javelin because it looks like her. So you've been watching all the events, but you've also taken the time to meet a lot of the competitors. Oh, of course. And I believe, and stop me if I'm wrong, that you're having an affair with a German gymnast. Listen, I don't like to talk about my private life, but I will say that he has got a wooden leg and it is not the biggest thing about him. What does that Let's mean? Let's just say he's scoring very high on his floor routine. That's not an innuendo. He's not just... not on the pommel horse. You're just saying things about gymnastics. He's got a big penis. Well, let's discuss this issue between the Americans and the British. What do you think is at the heart of this problem? Well, you're just so different. The Americans, we play to win. We're here to have a good time and we're here to be the best. We like to bang our drums and hoot and holler and make it clear that we've arrived. And you Brits, you like to do everything by the book. You got your top hats and your monocles and you're all so sour you look like you've been weaned on a pickle. Now, I'm not saying who's right and who's wrong, but y'all got to work out the rules. You got American rules and British rules. And you got so many rules, you don't know whether you're coming or going. We can improve. We can be less rowdy, but y'all got to be less stuffy. You noses so stuck up in the air, you could drown in a rainstorm. Well, Alice, thank you so much for coming in to talk to us. I know you're heading down to the stadium now for the 400 metres. And thank you so very much for coming. And I hope you enjoy the rest of the Olympics. Oh, it's been like possum on a stump. And is that a good thing? Oh, it's the best thing there is. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Alice Roosevelt. This has been adorable. I've loved it. Thank you so much. Well, thank you so much to Alice. And to clarify exactly what the Americans are taking issue with, I'm going to read out now the full list of complaints that have been lodged by the head of the American team, James E. Sullivan. Number one, the hotel provided has been unacceptable and the whole American team has been moved to Brighton in protest. Number two, the train from Brighton takes a long time and is very expensive. Number three, the British keep putting all the Americans together in the semi-finals of the track races so they can't all progress to the final. Number four, your beer is warm. Number five, it is red. Training. Number six, and this one is quite reasonable actually, no landing has been provided for the pole vault. So people are just expected to drop directly onto the ground. Um, that one has been resolved and mattresses have been provided now for the landing. And those mattresses have been provided by our sponsor, Ostermore Mattresses. Number seven, the hurdles have been scheduled on a Sunday, the religious day of rest. Um, that complaint was lodged, but the hurdles were not moved to a different day and went ahead on the Sunday. And as a result, in protest, the American Forrest Shipton ran the 110 metre hurdles with a Bible in each hand. Number eight, no barrier was provided between the edge of the swimming pool and the start of the rugby pitch and rugby players were repeatedly falling into the swimming pool. This one has also been resolved by putting up a barrier of mattresses and those mattresses once again provided by Ostermore Mattresses. Now, all this boiling tension really came to a head yesterday in the tug of war. Um, the British actually have three teams representing Great Britain in the tug of war, all of them from the police. So the Liverpool team, the London K Division and the Metropolitan Police have all put teams forward. 
And yesterday in the semi-finals, the American team were drawn against the Liverpool team. And now to give his side of the story and to explain exactly what happened, we're very lucky to be able to speak now to the captain of the American team. Hello there, how are you getting on? Arguably one of the best athletes in the world. Oh no, would you wish? Would <laughs> He's you already stop? won two would you gold stop? medals in these games. Yep. Yeah. In yeah. the in the standing high that's jump right. and yeah, the freestyle right. jump, yeah, yeah, yeah. he holds the record talk, for the. Do you mind? Sorry, you're talking. No, sorry, you're talking a lot. Oh no, no, sorry. please go ahead. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say. You're... I've never, I've never been interviewed before, so I'm very excited. Well, <laughs> lovely to be here. Well, lovely to have you. Uh, I... Hello there. How are you getting on? It's me, Martin Sheridan. No, no. Lovely to be here. It's great to be here. That's very, it's a very generous intro. Thank you very much. Very kind. Oh, not at all, Martin. Uh, Martin Sheridan there, the captain of the American team and a, a superstar of the track and field. Ah, would you stop? Would you stop? I'm very blessed with good, good arms and good legs. Well, and what incredible arms and legs they are. Uh, you stand at more than six foot three. That's great. An incredibly strong and powerful athlete. So there's, there's a lot of you, isn't there, Martin? There's a lot of me, yeah, yeah, yeah. Lots to go around. Lots to go around. Now, you're the captain of the American team. That's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. But am I right to say that you're originally from Ireland? That's right, yeah. I, I, I'm from a very small place uh, called Bohula in County Mayo, uh, on the west coast of Ireland there. Um, very small, you know, sort of like if you did a fart in the middle of the night, you know, it'd be in the parish newsletter. You know, that type of place, you know, everyone sort of knows about it. Right. We've just the pub, a shop, mm-hmm. and, uh, and a laser quest. That's all we have. Mm. But, uh, no, it, it, it's a grand place, all right. But, yeah, I, I come from a very big family. I'm son of two. I have a huge amount of brothers and sisters. I've lost count of how many brothers and sisters I have. I, I'd say maybe I know of 14. Oh my goodness. Clothes, for example, I had to make do with hand-me-downs, which was, uh, which was grand, but all of my older siblings are girls. They're sisters. So I, up until the age of 18, I, I, I was mainly wearing dresses. And so at that point, I decided, you know what? I might go to America. Right. I bought myself a scratch card and I won two tickets to America, to New York. Amazing. And so and, then um, I more. took my cousin Jim Clark. Uh, you may have heard of his parents, Maeve and Patrick Clark. Do you know? I don't know if his I. Father know. Patrick, very famous man back home, he holds the record for um, headbutting the most amount of trees in an hour. Very, um, very talented family. But yeah, so me and Jim uh, jumped on the boat to New York. But uh, unfortunately, along the way, there was a bit of an altercation and uh, Jim was thrown off the boat. Oh no. Yeah. Well, sure you know yourself, those boats are very cramped and, you know, tensions are running high, you know. He used someone's toothbrush without asking and, um, anyway, he was, he was thrown off the boat. But, that aside, I, I arrived in, in New York a few weeks later and sure, um, yeah, the rest is history. Well, yes, absolutely. And what an incredible history it's been. You discovered your incredible talent for athletics. Ah, you're really kind. You're really kind, yeah. Uh, you yeah. won gold in St. Louis in 1904 and in Athens in 1906. Yeah, and you yeah. hold now 16 world records in the shot put, in the standing high jump, in the freestyle javelin. And you were even the first person to invent spinning around with the discus instead of just standing still and sort of launching it into the air. When I was growing up now... Uh... We used to have a game where we would take up, you know, pieces of cow pat, you know, and we would sort of fling them round and uh, see how far we would get them. And so that's, I sort of used that technique and, and brought to the Olympics and now I'm sure everyone's copying me. Well, the spinning things around has really become your signature move, hasn't it? Because you also spin the javelin around your head in the freestyle javelin. Well, I suppose freestyle is, is freestyle because you can sort of do your own sort of style, you know, and be a bit sort of creative with it, I guess. Mm-hmm. When I'm throwing it, I like to sort of swirl it around my head. 
like spin it around and then throw it. Right. Um, you can sort of try whatever way you like, but um, yeah. So it's it's, a, it's freestyle in that sense, you know. Mm. It's pretty dangerous, actually. You know, you you wouldn't want to be sort of in the immediate vicinity. You know. Has it ever gone in the wrong direction? Oh yeah, yeah. I say I say it's gone in the wrong direction a few times now. Um, but sure, that's that's you know that's sport. You know, people will get injured. Mm. And you've decided to stand down this year from the horizontal pole vault. So the horizontal pole vault is is, is sort of it's a bit different to the normal pole vault. So instead of uh, sort of seeing how far you can get up and over, the horizontal pole vault is uh, you get awarded points for how far you can travel horizontally with the pole, uh, which is slightly flawed because um, you can just sort of not let go and just keep running with the pole. Uh, which a lot of people have started doing. So it's it's just you running with a massive pole. Yes, that is slightly flawed. Perhaps the horizontal pole vault won't survive as an Olympic sport. I, I, I doubt it now. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about the controversy yesterday. So it's the enormously popular Olympic event, the tug of war. And as the captain, you lead out an extremely strong American team. Yeah. Among yeah, them, of course, yeah. Ralph Waldo Rose. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's a fine gentleman, that Ralph. He's a very, very big man. Now, of course, everyone at home will remember that Ralph Waldo Rose is the American who refused to dip his flag to the king in the opening ceremony. Oh, well, I don't blame myself. You know, why should he dip his flag to the king? You know, what's the king ever done for Ralph? But sure, listen, that's, that's his beef. I, I don't want to get involved with that. Well, I mean, there are rumours that it was you who encouraged him to do it in the first place. Well, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say I encouraged him. I would say I, I, I sort of gently nudged him, you know. But sure, listen, Ralph is his own man, you know. He can make his own decisions. And um, well, whether he decides to dip his flag or not is, is up to him, you know. It's nothing to do with me. Well, we wish Ralph all the very best and he looks set to take gold in the shot put final. Though in training he has allegedly dropped a shot put on an English competitor's foot. Uh, that's right. I would say, uh, well, the key word there being allegedly. You know, he dropped the shot put, sure. But uh, I would argue that the English competitor's foot shouldn't be there in the first place, you know. Wrong place, wrong time. Well, it Look, does... you're walking around it... with your feet underneath someone holding a shot put, you know. Sure it's not Ralph's fault if it falls, you know? So you don't think there's anything to be made of the fact that the English competitor was his main rival? Not at all, you know, it's a complete coincidence. He shouldn't have been having his feet near his, underneath his shot put in the first place. Absolutely. So you come out yesterday, this incredibly strong American team, and you are paired in the semi-finals with the Liverpool police force. And then do you want to tell us exactly what happened? So basically, right, the rules are very clear, you know. No competitor shall wear prepared boots or shoes or boots or shoes with projected nails, tips, points, hollows or projections of any kind. It's there clear as day in the book, right? Right. So we come out in our flat canvas soft athletic shoes, you know. And what are the English wearing? The biggest boots you've ever seen in your life. They were absolutely massive. Or geez, you could have put these boots on, on an elephant. Honest to God, like you wore these boots on a, on a ship, it would have psyched the ship. It was a joke absolute joke well the liverpool team are saying that these were just their normal police boots there was nothing special about them the normal police boots how if they're the normal police boots i'd love to see them run after a criminal wearing them boots they could never they could barely lift their feet they were waddling out on them they were the, jesus christ if they're like normal work boots you're having me on they look like they were made of concrete so you obviously contested this, but it was overruled by the British officials. Yeah, by the British, yeah, by the British officials, yeah. Surprise, surprise. 
And then at this point, the Liverpool team offered to take their boots off and to play you in their socks. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, you know, it's a point of principle. You know, we're not going to pull do the tug of war now. Sure, Jesus, you come out in your boots and you, you like it would be the laughing stock. So we're not. No, we're not. We're, we're, no, of course, we refused. So the event was forced to go ahead. Um, the whistle blew, and then the British are saying they just managed to pull you over the line in one tug. Well, no, well, that's, this is the thing, right? We didn't even touch the rope. We weren't. T- we, did, we didn't even. Show the, there was nothing to pull. So we didn't even touch the rope. So I don't know. I don't know how they say if the one if, they, if we we didn't even we weren't even touching the rope. You know. Well, the British are saying that they managed to just pull you straight over no, the line. No, no, that's not what I remember. I remember them lifting the rope. Me, us, not even touching the rope, them pulling the rope and saying, "Oh, we pulled you over the line," and we were like, "No, sure, we didn't even move. We didn't even move at all." Like, so sure, this is a pile. Of, it's a pile of nonsense. Pile of balls. It's a pile of balls. Well, I'm so sorry that this controversy has marred your Olympic experience. But am I right in thinking that, in amongst the tension of yesterday, there was a moment of light relief for you? Well, actually, yeah. At some point now, I, I looked over at the other team and I spat on the Liverpool team. My cousin Jim Clark. I couldn't believe it. I mean, what are the chances? Do you know? I hadn't seen him since he was thrown off the boat. And Jesus, he was looking well for it. He had lost a lot of weight. So uh, anyway, after the after the game, I went up to him. I says, "Hi, yeah, uh, Jim." He says, "Yeah, right, Martin, how's it going?" I says, um, "How are you getting on?" He says, uh, "Listen, I'm sorry about the the bother with the boots." And I said, "Listen." Jim, sure you know yourself, it's a more of a, a micro-example of a deeply entrenched national issue of a fundamentally flawed sense of entitlement brought about by almost 800 years of colonialism. Do you know what I mean? And he says, he says, do you know what, Martin? I think you're onto something there. And I says, listen, Jim, I'm, I'm sorry for throwing, throwing you off the boat. I shouldn't, I, oh, I overreacted when you used my toothbrush. And he says, I should, said Martin... If you hadn't thrown me off the boat, I wouldn't have discovered my talent for swimming. That's the truth. That's what he said. Uh, so it was good to catch up and have a little chat with him. Amazing. Well, Martin, that's all we have time for. But thank you so much for coming into the studio. You've been wonderful to have on. And it's no wonder that you're a darling of the athletics world. I will thank you. And you're a darling of the interviewers. You really are. Thank you very much for having me. Martin Sheridan, everyone. Thanks Wishing so. you all the very best for the standing high jump tomorrow. And given that Martin's cousin Jim Clark has gone on to win silver in the tug of war, that makes the tiny village of Bohola the place with the highest number of Olympic medal winners per population of anywhere in the world. We're heading down now to the men's 400 metre final. But first, a few words from our sponsors. Support for this podcast comes from Ostermore Mattresses. If one third of your life is spent asleep, Don't you deserve to be clean and comfortable? Is your bed full of lumps and bumps, sagging in the middle? Have you found a rat in your mattress? Has contaminated horsehair stuffed in your mattress by the prisoners in the curled hair industry in Sing Sing Prison given you malignia, a disease found in South American cattle? Then you need Ostermore. Our mattresses are built, not stuffed, and we know exactly where our horsehair comes from. It's vermin-proof, damp-proof, dust-proof, and a sunbath is all the renovation it ever requires. Use the discount code OSTEMORE10 for 10% off your first OSTEMORE mattress. OSTEMORE. More mattress, less rat. We're heading down now to the stadium and we leave you in very capable hands for the men's 400 metres. 
You join us for the men's 400 metre final. A huge crowd gathered in the Rainier Stadium and real tension in the air for this event. A real clash of the titans between four fantastic runners, one British and three Americans. Here they come out now. No handshakes, nothing but focus. There's already been an issue with the length of their shorts. The British saying that the shorts have to be to the knee and the Americans in protest have just now cut their shorts off in the dressing room. So lining up now is one British man in knee-length shorts and three Americans, well, in uh, basically booty shorts. Just one lap of this cinder track standing between these men and Olympic gold. On the inside lane, John C. Carpenter, 23 years old, a student from Cornell. Next in, carrying the honour of the British Empire on his shoulders, 26-year-old Lieutenant Wyndham Halswell, born in London, raised in Scotland. Handlebar moustache. In the semi-finals, he set a new Olympic record of 48.4 seconds. Can you repeat that performance again? In lane three, Robbins of Massachusetts, another student from Cornell, showboarding a little bit there for the crowd. And on the outside lane, one of only two black athletes in these Olympics, John Taylor, recently graduated from the Pennsylvanian School of Veterinary Medicine, and the chance for him here to be the first African-American athlete to win Olympic gold. These four men lining up all in a row, maybe one day they'll have a staggered start for the 400 metres, maybe they'll even have to start in a crouch position. But right now, it's just four men in shorts of varying length, standing in a straight line. What's becoming apparent over these games is that nobody has any idea of the rules. The British are adamant that there must be no touching whatsoever during the race, whereas the Americans prefer a more aggressive style of racing, and in American track meets, they've been known to push and shove, occasionally just punch each other in the face. The British very concerned about any kind of foul play. The Americans have been warned any decision will rest with our officials, who are positioned around the course... Dr. Roscoe Badger there in his top hat and tails, ready to fire the starting pistol. These four men, Carpenter, Robbins, Taylor and the lonely British runner Halswell. And they're off! Carpenter is off with a strong start, Halswell right on his tail, but the American is pulling away. He leads now by a good 12 metres, but the British man is gaining on him. He's right behind him, looking for a way to get past as they come into the home stretch. And uh, yes, the American is blocking his way. Carpenter is pushing Halswell off the course. They're blowing the whistle. No one is stopping running. And now the British officials are now on the track running up to them. Carpenter has technically crossed the line first, but they're... I don't know what's going on. Yes, they're shouting the race is void. The race is void. Well, there is absolute uproar here in the stadium. The British are gently booing. And the Americans appear to have got their own drums from somewhere and they're now chanting, You suck! You suck! John Carpenter is being carried around the stadium. He crossed the line first. He seems to think he's won the gold medal. Here comes James E. Sullivan, head of the American team, barreling into the field to complain. They're asking Halswell what happened. Well, I don't want to cause any sort of bother, but I was pushed off the track. And here comes James E. Sullivan responding. You son of a bitch, I'm going to punch you in the goddamn face. Well, that certainly sounds amicable. 
Another whistle and that's official. Carpenter has been disqualified. He's been escorted out the stadium and they're saying there has to be a re-race. They're going to race again. It's pandemonium here in the stadium but they're lining up to go again. A restart of the 400 metres, this time without Carpenter. What's this? Robbins is standing down. The American is pulling out in protest. It's going to be just Halswell and Taylor. All eyes now on the last American standing. Will he withdraw as well? No doubt this young American, son of former slaves, now a qualified vet, stood on that start line at the Olympic Games, a gold medal within his grasp. He's lining up with Halswell. No, he's pulling out in protest as well. Incredible scenes. He's thanking the crowd. So it's Halswell alone. What a situation. The officer of the British Army forced to run this race alone. He's off! Ever the sportsman, he could just walk around, but he's giving it all he's got. Handlebar moustache flying out behind him. Rounding onto the home straight now, the crowd behind him, and he's crossed the finish line in 48.4 seconds. It's the gold medal, but you can see in his face, this isn't how he wanted to win. There can be no real winners here tonight. Well, that's all from the 400 metres. Back to you in the studio. Well, that's all from us today. Join us tomorrow for the bicycle polo, the women's archery and the face-down plunge. Thank you to our guests in the studio, Alice Roosevelt, Martin Sheridan, Michael Strani and Luke Kempner. We'll see you tomorrow. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Want truly hydrated skin? Meet Osea's Body Care Breakthrough Hyaluronic Body Serum. 
It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast-absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code SUMMER. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.